Hello church, it is another midweek podcast. It's been a while. I've got Pastor Ross and Pastor Sam here. I'm Pastor Daniel and we are eager to bring a topic about spiritual gifts and in particular prophecy. It's been on our heart recently uh, that one of the areas that we lack uh, in biblical faithfulness as a church is operation of the spiritual gifts in our services and in our church life generally we think we need to to grow some mm-hmm. had a few few members uh, that have been in other churches that walked more faithfully in these areas that have brought some of that even to our attention uh, we've we've thought about it ourselves and and uh, and it just confirmed and, and kind of pushed us a little bit to hey we need to really get serious about what we believe as a church about this um, I want to say up front that we're not going to be arguing for uh, a position here on uh, a continuationist position, which basically just means that the gifts of the Spirit continue, that God is is speaking in, in supernatural ways right now. We hope to bring clarity to that, but, but we're not going to argue against the cessationist position and for a continuationist position, but, but kind of argue from the position that we hold as elders, that mm-hmm. the gifts do and are continuing and they're for the church today. Uh, and Sam wanted to add something. Yeah, and I just, I wanna clarify, this is something that's been on our heart from the beginning of planting our church, but it's just always something that we have to, as elders, wisely tear out when to teach what, based off of our current context, our, the cultural moment, and where our people are at. And so we have not taught on this for a while because it's just, we've had to teach on all the stuff going on in our city and stuff. And so it just felt negligent to talk about it, but it seems right. And just one clarification, when we say spiritual gifts, we understand also that the New Testament has several lists of gifts. We have one in Romans 12 as well. And those include gifts that would seem more normal, normative, but those are still spiritually empowered by the Holy Spirit. So when we're using the word spiritual gifts, we're not saying, we're emphasizing not hospitality, which is a spiritual gift yes. empowered by the same spirit. We're talking about these unique sign gifts, some people call it, that we see in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Mm-hmm. So we have seen the operation of spiritual gifts used every week. Yes. And good. every day in our community. We yes. see people encourage one another. We people serve in ways that does not make sense and is not possible apart from the Holy Spirit. So, yes, we have seen the Spirit move mightily in our church, and we just want to continue to see that happen in other manifestations of the Spirit that we have not experienced or walked in as much in yes. our community. That's right. Yeah. And so one of the applications that we'll bring up, particularly uh, at the end of this podcast, will be the, the desire to really introduce a... A prophecy or, or edification we don't know exactly what to call it a prophecy mic edification mic something where in our services or uh, potentially in MC gatherings whatever where there's an opportunity well let me just say we'll focus on prophecy mic in our Sunday services where we can open up the the opportunity for people to be sharing what God may be laying in their heart so let's get in so that there's <laughs> no more confusion and hopefully Ross our, our uh, a gifted teacher here can help us bring some clarity. He's done some work, has read some material, been studying the scriptures the last couple of weeks. And uh, Ross, will you answer for us just as we get started, what are uh, what are spiritual gifts in general? I think Sam's already mentioned it some, but let's get a little bit more clarity. Yeah, I think I think Sam brought a lot of light to just what a spiritual gift is. Yeah, It's just any gift or wiring that you have mm-hmm. that's used to edify other people or a miraculous gift that you don't have that comes from the Spirit that's even used in a more extraordinary way to edify people. 
But it's all amazing. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is working through us, either in natural giftings and abilities we have, mm-hmm. or giving us abilities and giftings even beyond what we naturally have. Yeah. And all of it is a spiritual gift. Mm-hmm. That's great. And what are spiritual gifts for? So one verse that is really important is 1 Corinthians 12, 7. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is just some of the most concentrated teaching in the scripture on spiritual gifts. So as we look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says that each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Mm -hmm. Now I see in this verse two extremely important purposes for spiritual gifts. First purpose is that they're a manifestation of the spirit. I remember hearing a pastor talk about this. That spiritual gifts and their use are a window that show us God, yeah. that show us our God. Yeah. We, we love spiritual gifts mm. because we love seeing God. Mm. And this is one more way to behold his power, his goodness, his beauty in our church. That's right. So since we love the Holy Spirit, since we love God, we want to see more manifestations of him working through our gifts. Yeah, amen. Two. It says they're for the common good. Mm-hmm. The reason that we each have spiritual gifts is because God wants each one of us to participate in building up the church, mm-hmm. making the church better, making the church more Christ-like, making the church more holy, encouraging the church. Mm-hmm. If the effect of a gift is ever the destruction of the church, it's not a gift or it's being misused. <laughs> yeah. Every proper use of a gift is going to result in other people feeling built up and edified by that gift. Mm-hmm. And so those are those are the two purposes behind spiritual gifts. Yeah. Yeah, and that's we want to look more like Jesus. <laughs> we want to the spirit was given to the church so that we could uh, the Spirit would, of course, minister to our hearts, but then we could, by the Spirit, minister to others and, and bear fruit so that other people take uh, what is good from us. We would share uh, what God has given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So just a little. Yeah, there. that's yeah. good. What, what, uh, what, are, what should be our attitude uh, towards the spiritual gifts? Sure. I think the place that Paul talks about most clearly what our attitude towards the spiritual gifts should be is 1 Corinthians 14, 1. It says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And Sam, you had a good word on this verse as we were talking at the beginning of the podcast. What, what, what was it that you were saying? You know, the goal that we see here is love. He says to pursue love. And it's very easy for us to get caught up in pursuing a manifestation of love or a means for love, but that's not the goal. It is very dangerous when it comes to sign gifts where people end up seeking the gifts over the giver and seeking the experience over the one whom the experience points to. And, you know, and Daniel and I kind of grew up in circles where, you know, you would just get your kicks for how cool God would do th- different things. And, mm-hmm. and there was just this huge emphasis in pursuing the signs. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, and no one would ever say that, but subtly we could forget seeking the one. Yeah. And seeking the, the goal is to edify and to build up the body. And so the passage here says, pursue love. And what way to do that, and that's the, the main verb, pursue, do, dokeo is the verb. And it's commanded here. 
And he says, and earnestly desire. That word earnestly desire is one word, zelete or zeleo, which is where you get the word zealot. It's like this passionate desire of these spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. But why? All of it is under the the main verb that is pursuing love. Mm -hmm. So if you want to fully pursue loving the body, then you ought to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. Yes. But you ought not to just earnestly desire spiritual gifts if your your main purpose and goal is to love. Right. So that's we don't want, that's why we're jealous for this in our church because we want love to abound more in our church. Our goal is not because we want some fireworks. Um, it's because we want love. That's, that's right. so good. What does it look like then to earnestly desire the gifts? What yeah. do you think? The one the first thought that came to my mind is in Luke 11, Jesus says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does my Father know how to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Mm. And we're asking for manifestations of the Spirit here. Mm. And I think that in my prayer life, I'm weak in asking for gifts of the Spirit. I imagine that a lot of us have a lot of room to grow in this. That's right. Individually and corporately. Individually, I believe we should be asking for more manifestations of the Spirit as a church when we come together and as MCs when we come together. I think we should be earnestly asking God for more manifestations of the Spirit. Yeah, we do that because the Lord has put gifts, we're told in 1 Corinthians 12, He's put gifts in every single member of the body. And you're not a dispensable part that just comes and receives, but you're meant to come to the to the church gathering that's right. in order to be used by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of building up others. And obviously that's just not just Sunday gathering, that's in missional community or whatever context you're you're you know doing church life. But the the purpose of all this is that we the reason that we want to pray is because we want to come expecting yep. that we'll be used. Yep. That God would want to use us to serve somebody. Yes. Yep. Not just that we don't come just praying, Lord, use Pastor Sam in this sermon or yep. use, you know, someone else, but Lord, use Pastor Sam, but use me and use the rest yep. of the body so that whatever conversation I have, whatever interaction I have, whatever prayer I pray for someone else, that you would you would be so present that it would no one can say Wow, what a great man or woman that is. But yep. what a great God we serve. Yep. <laughs> we come to the church That's and right. we're built up because the Spirit of God is present in our brothers and sisters. Right. present in our midst in that way. That's yep. why we pray and earnestly desire the gifts. Yep. What, are, what a different church we would have if we all were praying. Yep. every single time well, we gathered. And, and that's the thing that's so important to know. What you're saying is, is biblical. Yeah. Romans 12. Like, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. And then he goes into a list. If prophecy in proportion to our faith and so on. And early on he says, for as in one oh, of faith that God has assigned, each according to the measure of faith that God assigned. So in other words, if you, I'm skipping around because of time, but if you read Romans 12, like God has given unique gifts to the whole body. And then think about Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Um, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up up in love and so basically when we lack pursuing love and earnestly desiring spiritual gifts we are missing out on more maturity our church is not fully working properly when you hold back the gifts god has given you 
yes. and or the go- gifts God could give you if you sought yes. him. Yes. And just the other aspect that I want to press into is, so I read the book Practicing the Power by Sam Storms, or a lot of that book. Mm-hmm. And he's just a reformed brother who just really is gifted in talking about these things. Mm-hmm. And one point he made in his book is that there is a segment of Christianity today who earnestly expects God to act in these ways. And then there's another segment that doesn't expect God to act mm-hmm. in these ways. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that part of earnestly desiring these things is to expect God to manifest himself in miraculous, powerful ways. Yeah. And this is especially dangerous for us who believe in the scriptures uh, teaching who understand the scriptures to teach about God's sovereignty in all things, mm. is that the danger, in the same way it can be with evangelism, is kind of a fatalistic, hyper-Calvinistic attitude. Mm-hmm. Well, if God wants to do it, like no Calvinist will say God doesn't do miracles or could do miracles. Right. But a lot of Calvinists would just basically resort to saying, well, he'll do what he wants. Right. And yet we wouldn't have that attitude with evangelism, right? Mm-hmm. Or, hey, someone will love my neighbor if God wants to. Right? No, there's an active human agency that God partners with his people to bring about his work and his desire. Mm-hmm. And so in the same way we would be consistent in other categories, we don't want to have a fatalistic mindset regarding miracles and, and God moving in these unique sign gifts Amen. within the body. As we call you, church, to more faithfully pursue and expect the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be present in our church and in your life, just know that we're, we're with you. <laughs> saying we, we want to commit, and that's part of what we're doing right now, we want to commit to more eagerly desiring, expecting, praying for the gifts of the Spirit to be present, not only through us, but in the body. That's right. So that, that's what we're, that's first application to us and to our church. Let's be eagerly, yep. for the sake of love. That's right. For the sake of building up the church, desiring, pursuing the gifts of the Spirit. That's so what, right. are there gifts that we should pursue uh, more earnestly, according to Scripture. Yeah, I think um, the one that Paul singles out in verse 14 that we're looking at is especially that you may prophesy. Chapter 14, just to be clear. Verse 1. Yeah, verse 1 of chapter 14. Every spiritual gift is important. Everyone is vital and beautiful for the life of the church. And yet, prophecy seems to hold a special place of priority in a gift that we should seek and exercise. Well, what is it? Let's define prophecy. So prophecy, um, according to Sam Storms, he says it's a human report of divine revelation. Now, when I first started looking into this topic, um, all of us have had this experience, or most of us have, where we feel a nudge or an urging of the Holy Spirit. Like, I just, I just, like you walk in a room and just, you get a sense that, man, this person is hurting, or this room really needs to hear this truth. And if you had a chance, you might stand up and say, I just need to remind everyone right now that God forgives guilty people. And you just feel impressed to say that. Now that I believe is an act of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and is valuable. And there should be space for that in our services. Mm -hmm. And yet I don't believe that is the biblical gift of prophecy. Prophecy on the other hand, is, as Sam says, the disclosure to a person of facts that could not otherwise be known from natural causes or sources. Mm -hmm. Prophecy is always based upon a revelation from the Spirit of God, 
It is not the same as enlightenment or illumination from the spirit, which quickens and enables us to more deeply understand and appreciate the truths of God's word. Rather, in prophecy, the Holy Spirit supernaturally discloses information, facts, or insights not otherwise available by natural avenues of knowledge. Hmm. So prophecy is maybe even a step beyond what the Spirit ordinarily does, which we love that and cherish that and hold that up mm-hmm. and also want to pursue prophecy. Mm-hmm. Where thing, I would say that prophecy is when it gets specific, when specific information that could not be known otherwise, unless the Holy Spirit revealed to someone in that moment, now we're in the realm of prophecy. Can we give a couple passages for that? Yeah, one, one example would be Jesus with the woman at the well. Sure. He goes to the woman at the well. Um, he asks her uh, about her husbands. Mm-hmm. And then he knows that she's had yep. five husbands and the man that she's with yep. is not her husband right now. Yep. There's no way Jesus could have known that unless yep. the Spirit showed him. Yep. Um, and so, it's amazing. And so that it would be one scriptural example of the gift of prophecy. I got two within this chapter, uh, in chapter 14. 1425, uh, it talks about... The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And in the context, if you say, if all prophecy, prophesied in 24, the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Why is this person worshiping and declaring God is really among you? Because the secrets of his heart, the secrets, like no one knows it, are being disclosed. That's right. Publicly in a supernatural way. And then also you use the word revelation in the definition that Sam Storm uses. And I'm like, at first, it it, it 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 gets me because it's like, you can't use the word revelation because there's scripture. Scripture yes. is revelation, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, Paul uses it in that way, right? Look mm-hmm. at verse 30. If a revelation is made to another sitting there. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's look at context. Let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy. Hmm. So here you see Paul using the, the word for revelation and tying it with prophecy. So yes. we're just trying to be biblical. Yeah. And 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 that, that verse 25 is so powerful. And just just as a little bit more context, things like this have happened at our gatherings before. Yes. Just for one example, a while ago, my cousin came to our gathering and someone had a word from God that they spoke to him and it just cut him to his soul and mm-hmm. he could not believe. How could this person mm-hmm. have known this word to speak to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And, and that to, to me sounds a lot like 1 Corinthians 14, 25, that mm-hmm. my cousin's... The hearts, the secrets of his heart was exposed. Yeah. And he had this sense that the power of God is in this family here. Yeah. I can give you another, uh, a number of other examples. I think each of us could. Yep. Yep. Ultimately, our experience is not the the measure here, mm-hmm. but it but it does inform. Yes. Yep. We're, we're trying to be right. as biblical as possible. Yep. We've also, each of us have stories and experiences, and whether personally or, or uh you know, those that we know that have seen God move in supernatural ways like mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And and I would love to share those stories with you. They're yeah. exciting. They're, yeah, ama- they're, <laughs> they're amazing. They're very precious. Uh, yeah, where the Lord just speaks in such a profound way. But I do have a question that I think is important to address because most people who have not studied this deeply are probably thrown off by the use of the word prophecy. Right? Mm-hmm. Because when we think of prophecy, we think of like future Hmm. Right, and this is this is a deviation from most people's conception of that word. 
Because throughout the Old Testament, when we think of Old Testament prophecies or prophecies of the Messiah, of Jesus' birth, and we do every Christmas look at these prophecies, it throws it off because the the instances that we have mentioned, at least in 1 Corinthians 14, we haven't talked about Acts 21 and and what they do with Paul and so forth, but have been uniquely not future-oriented. So why are we using this word prophecy? Sure. And I think that is probably owing in large part to we tend to fixate and focus on prophecies in the Old Testament that relate to the future, like predicting your Christ, where in the Old Testament prophecy is so much more broad than that. It's just reporting things from God that God reveals to people. One example I think of is Ezekiel. In the beginning of the book of Ezekiel, Mm. what God shows him isn't the future. He shows him what his throne room looks like right now. That's right. It isn't isn't always have to be a future report. It's just something that God is showing you that you couldn't know unless God showed it to you. Our, our beloved Old Testament prophet, uh, not prophet, <laughs> he wouldn't like that. <laughs> our Old Testament prophet, prof, professor. 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 <laughs> That's hilarious. I wonder uh, if those words are related. Dr. Yeah, Hiroshi, <laughs> Dr. D. Uh, he has this, he was so helpful creating these two categories that was so new for me, like years ago now it feels, where prophecy is primarily forthtelling or foretelling. Mm. Forthtelling being something that's coming from God as a revelation about uh, to his people for for such a time as this, you know, speaking to them, whether it's reminding them of the covenant or, you know, telling them what he's trying to communicate with them. That's forthtelling. Mm-hmm. And that is actually the most common use of prophecy in the mm-hmm. Old Testament. But a more minority um, use of the word prophecy is foretelling, which is like for, you know, future yeah. Yes. This is going to happen. And so I think that's a helpful distinction that we've covered in the past. We've taught at the church, but I'm sure something that's kind of hazy. But please know that the majority of prophecies in the Old Testament and uh, are forthtelling, hmm. current, present. God speak to his people. Yes. And a small fraction is foretelling for the future. That's but we love idea. prophecy, right? We love future. Uh, in our well, again, I'm using prophecy synonymously with future. I just I'm, I'm making the same mistake. Yeah. So how this brings up an important question. Um, we are lovers of the word. Believe the word is sufficient for the church for building up edification. All all that we teach the Bible. We don't uh, base our services, our our times at MC or any of that on you know waiting on some word from the Lord. We are biblically centered centric. We yes. want to be. Uh, you know, standing on this this word of God, but how do you how do you practice prophecy um, without undermining the word of God? How do you practice prophecy without undermining the word of God and what we believe about its sufficiency for the church? Sure, I think one of the word that is the most could catch the most people up from the definition of prophecy is that word revelation. Mm-hmm. Such a powerful word. Because when God reveals something, it's so authoritative and so powerful. Mm-hmm. Now, we want to make a distinction and a diff- difference between Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy. Okay. I, I originally got this distinction from, from Wayne Grudem. And we want to start by saying that the entire Bible, the New Testament and the Old Testament, God revealed it by prophecy. Mm-hmm. And it is final and without error and authoritative. That's right. It is final and without error and authoritative in a way that New Testament prophecy is not. The prophecy that we're talking about. And so the book in the Bible always stands above any prophecy that we receive and judges it and informs it and weighs it. 
we always view prophecy through the lens of the scriptures rather than viewing the scriptures through the lens of prophecies that we receive. That's good. That's right. And there is actually a story in the Bible that I would like to point to to illustrate this. And that's the story of Agabus in Acts chapter 21. So if we turn there in verse 7, it says, When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemais, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. We'll get back to that verse. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the one who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am not ready only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. Wow. So here's a powerful story where Agabus the prophet predicts that great suffering will come upon Paul in Jerusalem, which is true. And Paul ends up being imprisoned in Jerusalem. One thing that stands out about this prophecy, though, is that Agabus makes a mistake. <laughs> he actually makes a mistake. If we look at verse 31, so we look at Acts 21, 31, it says, And as they were seeking to kill him, the word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. In the prophecy, Agabus says that the Jews are going to bind Paul and hand him over to the Gentiles. And what actually happens is the Jews are beating Paul, and the Romans come and rescue uh, Paul from the Jews who are beating him. And so there's actually some sense in which Agabus' prophecy has an inaccuracy in it. It's mostly accurate, but there seems to be some sort of inaccuracy in the prophet. And that brings up what we must recognize as the case in New Testament prophecy. Unlike the Bible, prophecy in the New Testament age can have error in it. Which is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians, let one or two speak and let each one weigh what is said. Mm -hmm. Why would we have to weigh something that doesn't have error? Yeah. When the Bible says something, you don't weigh it. Yeah. You receive it. You live by it. Mm -hmm. However, when we receive New Testament prophecy, we're supposed to weigh the prophecy. Yeah. See, does it correspond with the Bible? Does it correspond with reality? Mm -hmm. If the prophecy is predictive, does it come to pass? Mm 
I don't have any question that any prophecies in this Bible are going to come to pass. Right. If you, Daniel or Sam, prophesied to me and said, this will happen, I'll say, okay. Like, I'll receive that from you and we'll see, and we'll see if, if that yeah. happens. Yeah. Um, it's different kinds of levels of authority that we're talking about here. Right. So that's, that's one area that where we see prophecy differing in the Old Testament era and the New Testament era. I'd like to add one passage is 1 Thessalonians 5.20. He says, Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hmm. Hold fast what is good. So, because he knows that prophecy in the New Testament is not perfect, he's saying, hey, don't despise it. Don't kick it out, but actually test it. So rather than throwing the baby out with the bathwater, test the baby. Yes. Right? And then hold on to the baby if it's good. Right? And the other thing that I've been helped before by is you to have in the New Testament now, in our present age era, right revelation, we need three things coming together. We need, are you going to get into this? Right? No. Revelation, right interpretation, and right application. Mm. So it seems that Agabus had a revelation from the Lord. Yes. But his interpretation was a little wrong. Yes. And the people listening had the wrong application. That's right. Because yes. what did they do when we heard this? So I guess this is Luke and the others who were there. We and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Yes. So they get this image that was from God. They get this revelation was truly from God. But because they don't want to lose Paul, their interpretation and their application is don't go, Paul. Yeah. And yeah. Paul is like, no, I got to go. Yes. I got to go. So they misunderstand, but it doesn't mean the revelation was wrong. Mm-hmm. That's and so right. whenever you look at prophecy, you have to ask yourself these, this threefold question. Is it right revelation, right ap- interpretation, right application? Mm-hmm. And if you miss one point along that chain, it throws everything off. That's and that's right. why so often prophecy can be abused or, or unhelpful. Because maybe the person has the right, you know, and this actually happened recently, I think, where before all this stuff happened in 2020, there was this guy who, this pastor who shared this like dream, prophetic dream. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. And and you showed it with me. And yeah. he had all these specifics and a lot of it came true. Mm-hmm. But I think he had a wrong application because yeah. his application was, hey, go get guns, right. go get ammo, mm-hmm. right? And so there, I think he had a, where, where areas of his heart that may have still not yet been renewed by the Lord, his understanding of that dream was instead of emphasizing spiritual readiness, I think he did a little, mm-hmm. he emphasized, emphasized more physical readiness. Mm. Yes. And, and and maybe he was right, maybe he's wrong, but I think he was wrong in his application, but he probably had the right revelation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's really and that's really important. And I think one thing from this story that should really give us a sense of freedom is that there's no sense that Paul thinks he's disobeying the Lord, or there's no sense from Luke who's writing this that Paul is disobeying when he disagrees with the application that these men bring up. So they say, don't go to Jerusalem. And he says, I feel like the Lord is compelling me to go. And then he could not be persuaded. And they said, let the will of the Lord be done. And there's no sense like this person is against God. This person is violating God's commandments. Right. Um, So there seems to be more of an open handedness with New Testament prophecy. Hmm, That's good. And one thing Storms brings up is really helpful. Whenever we're giving prophecies, we should avoid language like thus says the Lord. That's right. This is God's will for your life. This is what will happen. It should be more along the lines of, this is something God is laying on my heart and I want you to weigh it. Mm-hmm. It should be humble language where we are submitting our word to the being tested and weighed by others mm-hmm. who also have the Holy Spirit besides us. Yeah. 
And also, we should be open to other people applying our prophecy and our interpretation of it. Mm. And just because you receive the prophecy and you share it with people doesn't mean you have to be the one to apply it to other people's lives. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is why this is done in community because mm-hmm. your community has more wisdom than you have alone. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and, so, and we have biases mm-hmm. in our hearts. And so maybe the Lord gives you the uh, gives you a right revelation, but because you have own, your our own sinful hearts, our own areas that are broken, we can twist it and apply it wrongly. Yes. And God will give us accurate sight about somebody, but then we'll use that maybe to gossip or we'll use it wrongly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And God just wants us to pray about it. That's mm-hmm. where love yeah. that we focused on comes That's right. into play as the purpose of all of this. If our heart is motivated, if our heart in the, in the prophecy, what we share is motivated in love, we won't ultimately care if we're if we're wrong. We should maybe say, you know, Lord, what, why did I miss, what did I miss there? Or something like that. We shouldn't ultimately care if, if you know, if the person rejects us or anything mm-hmm. like that. But we're, we're just, we want to be faithful. We want to be faithful and we want to minister to others. And if our heart is bent to love other people, it won't ultimately like, we won't receive, I don't know how to say it. It won't be about us. It'll be about others. It'll be about yeah. the Lord. And, yeah. and, and I just want to remind us the other time earnestly desire is mentioned in this section. It's in 1 Corinthians 12, 31. After this long section, he says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts Mm. and I will show you a still more excellent way. Mm. And what is he referring to? He's not, well, preaching the word is good and hospitality is good, but let me tell you the super gifts, healing. No, he says, let me tell you the most excellent way. Yeah. Love. (laughs) And that's the heart of it. It's this whole section, 12 and 14 is a sandwich around 13. 13 is the core love. Yes. So that's that what that's what holds it all together. Yes, that's right. I like the um, I like the fact that this this passage mentions these young women mm. who are who are prophetesses uh, that they also prophesy. It says something. It says it says that it's not just for men. That's right. Yeah, Paul mentions the same thing in in First Corinthians. Yeah, is that prophecy is a gift that either men or women both use to address the church. And this is, I really believe, going to be a sweet door for hearing some more female voices in our churches, in our gatherings, addressing the church and edifying the body. That's right. Um, Yes, we do believe that the scriptures are, say that men should be the ones who teach the word of God, and we want to follow the scriptures there. Yet when the scriptures say, and then men and women will prophesy in the gathering. We want to hear men and women prophesy in our gathering. That's right. Yep. That's, that's right. That's right. And just a reminder, like in Acts 2, Peter is connecting with Joel 2 and saying that this is happening. What does he says? He says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Mm-hmm. Right? I will pour out my spirit on all flesh in the last days. And so it seems like this is just not exclusive to one kind of person. Yes. All kinds of people. I just want to say... Probably you have some questions swirling in your head, and um, we don't have the time or space to really answer all of them right here. But we we would love to to talk more if you do have some questions. But at the end of this this section, I before we get into the like, application, what we, we want to do with our, our services, I just want to say, praise God, <laughs> He's given us His Spirit, that He's so active in His church that he wants to speak through us, to speak to us, 
in these profound ways. It's amazing that the Lord is present in this way mm-hmm. in His church. Mm-hmm. Let's worship Him for that. Above, uh, I, I want you to get your questions answered. I want you to press in. I, I want to be able to bring clarity. But I think that you know, at the end of the day, there's some some things in the Bible that are confusing. <laughs> this is one of those things that we are going to continue to probably wrestle with. We'll wrestle, especially it, it'll feel a little clunky as we begin to practice some of these things more. Right. But man, at the end of the day, we want to worship the Lord for he's given us the spirit of God as our advocate, our helper, our our means to love one another more, to grow more like Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a this should cause us to praise more than scratch our heads. It will cause us to scratch our heads. It will. But I want us to I want us to praise the Lord. I want us to be constantly in addition to make our focus about love for one another. I want our I want our focus to be Praise God that He's active in His church. He is He is alive and well and working to build His kingdom in our midst. Yeah, that if right. that is our if those two things are present the the Godward focus and the mm-hmm. and the love focus. Yeah. man, we can't fail. Like that's right. We will we will make some mistakes. We will be a little clunky. Yeah. but but we're not going to fail ultimately. We're going to really have. We're going to be in a, in a good direction. Amen. And this, you, you reference something, the clunkiness. Yeah. And I just want us to be biblically consistent in every area because there's going to be misuses of this at times and abuses at t- other times. That does not mean we ought not to pursue it. Mm-hmm. If God calls us to do it, we need to be faithful to the scriptures. Yeah. Just like no one's going to say, well, you shouldn't marry because definitely there's going to be mistakes in your marriage. Hmm. Right? <laughs> or you shouldn't love your brothers and sisters in Christ because they may hurt you or they may abuse you. In fact, we've seen that in our church. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we should um, disuse. We just regulate it. We, we learn how to do it better. That's right. right? And, we, and then every category, everything that Scripture calls to us has danger, mm-hmm. has potential for misuse. Yeah. Just like the preaching of the Word. Right? And, and what do you do? You learn. You, you get better. You, you repent. You, you grow through it. And, and that's going to be the case for every area of, of loving one another in the church. That's We're right. going to mess up at times. So one specific application we'd like to draw and, and really press into uh, in these coming months in, in 2020 and, and beyond for our churches is we want we want to open up the door for um, this to be operating these sorts of gifts to be operating in our Sunday gatherings and beyond. But let's talk specifically about how that could look in our Sunday gatherings moving forward. Sure. One thing that. Storms has suggested and even some members who have joined our church in recent months is that we have a microphone that's available for members of the church who feel a prompting of the spirit to come forward and address the church. It, it could be like a prayer for the church they feel prompted to, to pray. It could be some sort of sense or just urgent thing they want to share with the church like a Bible verse or something or could be an instance of the gift of prophecy where the Spirit lays on them a specific word of knowledge for someone in our church, for our church family, which we would then weigh and hopefully be edified by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we would weigh even before they share. Amen. Yes. Amen. That's going to be one of the ways that we regulate in a healthy biblical way. Yeah, so, so like if someone was coming forward, there would be an elder or a leader who they would share that word with, and that elder or leader would determine that is this is this edifying? Is this for now? 
So even if the answer is no, it's not like this is wrong, but maybe this is just for another time. Yep. And, and really be, determine whether or not this is a good word for the church to hear right now. Mm-hmm. And that will protect the church from a lot of things. Where, where do you get this from scripturally? How can you do that, Ross? I'm being, being devil's advocate. Being, being devil's advocate. Yeah. I Let would, the spirit flow, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I would just I would just point to like the, the places where the Bible tells elders to keep watch over the flock and to just be overseers. Mm-hmm. That just generally speaking, like elders have a responsibility to oversee the life of the church. And I just think this is one particular expression of it. Like let's just make sure that the words coming before the church are good words for us to hear right now. There may be moments and you're you're in a, a small group a smaller group gathering that you know you don't have to go find an elder to <laughs> share with them before you share something that's on your heart sure yep but in this in this case we're talking about before the entire church uh you sharing something that that that's taking um it's taking time and space and we want to make sure it is what you're saying accurate and good and for this moment yeah and and obviously we want to trust our members we have a great deal of love and trust and respect for every member in our church um, but we, we also we want to weigh carefully everything that's said and brought before the church, yeah. just like we do when we preach uh, a message out of, out of the Word. And, and Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church who has been abusing these spiritual gifts mm-hmm. terribly. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't say just, hey, you guys can't do that. Just stop it. Yes. He says, okay, let's, let's do it better. And if you look at verse 26 down to the rest of the chapter, he's showing you how to do it orderly. He says, what then, brothers? when you come together and he lists all these different things that people could have tongues and revelation and so forth and and then he even has a process let there be two or three other prophets uh Mm. uh let let others weigh what is said and there's some sort of order it's not this just chaotic thing i think that if you are listening and you um have seen the abuses before and maybe a church contest context or god forbid maybe on tv Mm. you're like I don't want that to be coming to our church. Yeah. And we're saying, no, 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 we're going to be biblical as much as possible and weigh things and there's going to be order. Yeah, mm-hmm. one, one thing helpful that Storm says is, Paul doesn't correct abuse by commanding disuse, mm-hmm. as is the practice of many today. We are neither to gullibly believe every word that is spoken nor cynically reject them altogether as if they had no spiritual benefit. Paul's remedy for sinful despising isn't unqualified openness, his remedy is biblically informed discernment. Mm. And that's what we're trying to lead in here is a biblically informed and discerning approach to this gift. Yeah, again, we, um, we're trying our best right now to implement uh, a process uh, in order that would be good. But also here <laughs> that our order is subservient to biblical uh, commands and functions. Like we want we want be we want to be led by the Spirit. And and we want to do what we see what seems best and and we might try something for a little bit and we might see see that it needs to adjust but we're gonna we're gonna do our best and and uh, I think there are a couple other things that that are important to ask uh, as as we potentially do this what what if well, I th- go ahead I was just gonna also say um, actually go ahead you go ahead with that well yeah what what if what if something you know is embarrassing happens or Let's say something is is brought forward that's just wrong. You know, maybe maybe the elders feel convinced it should be shared, and then it, it ends up being wrong. Mm-hmm. And and wh- I mean, what do we what do we do in those cases? How do we respond? Yeah, I think we have to be comfortable with the idea of correction in our gatherings. Mm-hmm. 
And it's not massive shame on the person who did it. It's not some black mark on them. It's not some big confrontation. It's just us saying, hey, we just really think this person made a mistake. And that's not the worst thing in the world. They probably came up and they tried to faithfully share what they thought God was saying. Mm -hmm. And we're just not in agreement with them that that's what God is saying to us right now. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if we have a moment of correction in our gatherings. Mm -hmm. Um, We just have to be comfortable with that and just move on and keep loving that person and keep using our spiritual gifts. And it's not actually that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. That's great. Was that what you were going to say? Yeah, actually, yeah. Okay. That's good. Great. Synced. Yeah. Well, you got that's a, all I got, man. Other thoughts? I I just want to reemphasize, church, this is because we were trying to be more biblical. Yeah, that's great. And I think a lot of times when people think about the sufficiency of Scripture, they think, well, this is going to undermine the sufficiency of Scripture. Mm-hmm. The only reason why we're doing this is because Scripture tells us to do it. <laughs> that's right. So Scripture seems to be okay, and God ultimately seems yeah. to be okay with seeing these kind of revelatory gifts operate within the church and it does not threaten his word that's right now it could if we're not careful with it so we're going to be careful but that's again part of becoming a more mature church we're a young immature church in many ways yes and and the 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 very tempting thing to do when it comes to anything that is controversial or challenging is just to pick one extreme side because it makes things a lot more simple Mm -hmm. and we're just refusing to do that right yes uh and there's i mean there's example after example that we are hey does is God sovereign or, or are humans responsible, right? Both. Yes. And it's easy to pick one or the other mm-hmm. because it just simplifies life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But God has called us to live in the tension. And by his spirit, and if we have humble hearts, teachable hearts, on our knees before the word, he's going to show us how to do it well. Yeah, we're going right. to make mistakes because we're fallible. But it, we, we, we'd rather follow him and be try to be faithful than cowardly avoid anything that could maybe make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Yes, we don't want to be. Uh, this, I guess, this is an additional point. Um, we ultimately don't want to be uh, conformed by the context uh, uh, or the the church kind of experience that we grew up in. We want to be conformed to the Bible. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, so we are uh, we're really right now. Again, I'll just say we're we're trying to be faithful. <laughs> we want to be faithful to the scriptures, and and we. Um, we're going to do our best to, to lead you church, uh, to be more faithful. And, and we're going to, there'll probably be some more words on this in our Sunday gatherings before, before this happens, though there may be a family talk or some other things. I think that there's probably a, a few other things that'll need to happen, but we hope that this will be heard, uh, broadly by our church and feel free to share this with others and we can, we can, uh, have more conversation as, as time goes on and, and as we begin to practice this more. But our prayer is that in 2021, we'll begin to see this edification, Mike, be a blessing to our church, that many would be built up in love because we're uh, following our Savior Jesus who leads this church by the Spirit of God. Amen. So thank you, brothers, for your time, and thanks for listening. Uh, we, we're praying for you, church. We love you. Let me just end this time with prayer. Father, we want to be faithful to your word, and we ask that you would help us by your Spirit. Lord, where we are um, thriving, we praise you. We praise you. Every good thing that we're, we're doing is because your spirit is active, mm-hmm. uh, both in the, the extraordinary things and in the ordinary things. Yes. And where we, are, we, where we are weak, Lord, we 
are asking for more grace. Yes, We're asking Lord. for you to meet us where we where we need to grow. And we think that this is one area. And we pray that it would not just abound in our Sunday gathering, but in every part of our lives, that in love we would seek, eagerly seek you for the sake of the body, that we would depend on you. That's ultimately what we're doing. We're depending on you, Holy Spirit, for grace to serve other people. Mm-hmm. So Lord, we want to be like you. Yes. Jesus, you lived in the power of the Spirit. Everything you did was in the power of the Holy Spirit. And now we ask that you would empower us, your, your shepherds, empower your sheep, all of us together as we serve you, King Jesus. Uh, make yourself glorious in our gatherings and everything we do as a church this year. Thank you, Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.